0: Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis Productions. Dear Young Rocker, College is a big transition for everyone, and freshman and sophomore year are the hardest. That first taste of real freedom can become paralyzing when we actually jump out of the nest and realize that even though we don't have anyone telling us to do things a certain way or forcing their own values on us now, well, that means we have to build up our own values and find our own security. It's really hard. Honestly, at 31, I still don't even feel like I'm done with that transition. No matter how many seemingly grown-up things I do, I still feel scared and like I'm just casting out in the dark every time I go for a new opportunity or take on a new responsibility. And I'm sure I'm still making plenty of mistakes. The only thing you can trust to guide you is your instinct. And I promise, you have a good one. Believe it or not, some of it actually came from your parents. But anxiety is still just drowning that instinct out. I promise you'll get better at hearing it, and then you'll be able to trust yourself to do more and more things you've never done before. It's okay if for now you have to fly in one direction and then try the completely opposite one, before you calculate exactly where you're headed. You have so much opportunity in front of you. As scared as you are, I'm kinda jealous of it. I poke my pipette into the solution to suck up what looks like spit, and as the smell wafts to my nose, I decide that if being a scientist is anything like this terrible lab class as in sitting here on a horribly uncomfortable stool with a hunched back for hours under these buzzing fluorescent lights that give me a headache, smelling gross chemicals and alcohol, and memorizing thousands of boring compounds, that it's for sure a job I am not into. I wanted to be an ecologist and save the environment, but this is torture. Right as I squeeze the solution out of my pipette into a test tube, Some goofy, tall guy with braces starts talking about how he's going to buy a Ferrari when he becomes a doctor. And then he says something about Pokemon. And I think, there is no way I can spend my life working with people like this. Even the smartest ones here seem to have no artistic hobbies or interesting thoughts. I want to do something creative and, like, be near a window, maybe? When I step out of the lab, I feel like I can finally breathe and think again. I walk across the street and down the stairs to the North Campus Cafeteria to meet James. It's the only calf I like because they have sandwiches that are actually edible. James asks me if I like being a bio-major. I tell him that it's kind of interesting, especially learning about genetics and evolution. I tell him how we learned about recessive traits and did the square thing in my class and I filled in my parents' genetic traits and I found out that I shouldn't have brown hair and brown eyes since my parents both have light hair and light eyes and I got really freaked out over it for a minute. When I asked the professor, He just shrugged and said, genetics are more complicated than that. James reminds me he's switching to music business and that I was originally supposed to be a sound recording technology major and that if I switched to the music department, we could be in classes together. I put down my sandwich and tell James, you know what, I think I'm gonna do it. Bass or cello, he asks. Bass, I say. I don't really know how to play jazz, but I can figure it out, right? We high-five. He smiles. I decide to walk back to East Campus. As I look down at the rocks in the river that runs under the bridge, I think about the kid that jumped off here and died last year. Man, I hope I don't screw up the music department audition. When I get back to my room, my new roommate is there. I never had a fight or anything with my first roommate, but it was not a surprise to me when she decided to move into another room with more normal-type girls. My current roommate starts talking about biology, about proteins or something, but I don't care about it enough to know what she's talking about, although it's clear she does care. Maybe too much, actually. There's definitely something sort of socially weird about this girl, which makes me feel less self-conscious about me being me. Plus, she's not interested in partying or stupid Chris Brown, so it's fine. She tells me about some weird guy in one of her classes who she thinks is creeping on her, and I think he probably just likes her because she's an adorable petite redhead and I wonder why that isn't obvious to her, but it feels like it would be weird to say that. Like, it wouldn't even compute for her probably, so I don't. Then she starts on her recap of her most recent one-hour phone call with her parents, which I had been sitting in the room for. I start tuning her out just like my chemistry textbook. So... I guess I technically now have a whopping two whole friends, but I still just feel like I'm missing something or maybe someone. Once again, I wonder, am I just surrounded by people I have nothing in common with and who make it really hard to connect with, like in high school, or is it me? Am I just a girl who can't figure out how to be friends with other girls and can't be friends with boys without letting them make out with me? Who the hell am I without a band? Is there even a point to existing without one? Otherwise, I'm just some girl, and I feel like I still don't know how to be one. When my roommate's done talking, she leaves to go see her boyfriend. The Pokemon Ferrari Kid with Braces from my bio lab. I open my laptop and type in craigslist.org and click on the personal ads to read them for fun. I've never thought of replying to any of these, but it's entertaining. As usual, it's stuff like fit lawyer looking for cuddles and single dad who likes the beach and you won't believe how big it is. I scroll down and see one that just says, Antisocial Loner. Sounds like we have a lot in common. Hmm. I click on it, and as soon as I'm done reading, I start typing my email. I know I'm overdressed. Or maybe I just feel that way because I'm wearing a dress, a thing that rarely happens. Plus, I am the only girl I see here. I'm keeping my eyes mostly on the carpet to avoid confirming what I know to be true. I am being looked at, even if they're trying not to let that be obvious. I'm waiting in this hallway in the music building to go into my bass audition. A bunch of dudes are sitting and standing against the walls. They all have electric or acoustic guitars or basses. They're playing scales and noodling on Blue's licks. Eventually, a lady calls my name. Chelsea Yersin? I go into the audition room, and I notice how cold my hands are, even though it's the summer. I put my music and keys and stuff on the music stand, and it all clicks really loudly in the empty auditorium. I feel awkward as I bend over to plug in my bass into the practice amp, and I'm glad I wore leggings under my dress. I'll start with a B-flat blues, I say, and one of the three white middle-aged men in front of me picks up a guitar to comp the chords along. He counts me off. A one. A two. A one, two, three, four. I look at the music book on the stand and start going down the page following the pre-written walking line. I always crumble in auditions, but as I play, I watch my body from somewhere else and see my hands hitting every note. When I finish, I look up at the men, and they look at each other with raised eyebrows, but don't say anything. I can tell I must have been either extremely good or extremely bad, but I honestly have no idea which one, because this is my first time ever playing a jazz bass audition. I spent hours a day all summer sitting on my itchy carpet in shorts, getting really good at reading sheet music on bass and learning how to play walking lines, but I never took lessons in jazz or played with anyone else, so I still don't know if I'm good enough. I'm crumbling inside. I can't let myself take a breath until they tell me how I did. They look down and write little notes on the papers in front of them and show each other. And I think about how I'm finally here giving music another shot since I gave up at the end of high school. I knew I couldn't go back to cello after what my dumb high school teacher said. But... I decided to just give it everything with bass. I can't stay away from music, but I also don't know if I can have my heart broken again. I still haven't taken a breath. I need to know I'm good enough. My stress level is so high, the tears are almost pushing themselves out of my eyes. Hurry up, I think. One man asks me, Who taught you? I say myself in the internet, and I mention my high school bass teacher, but explain that he didn't really teach me jazz, just rock. I need to know how I did. But before they get to the feedback, a black woman with thick glasses comes in from the side door. You're a cellist, right? What are you doing here? She asks me. Her tone makes it sound like I've done something bad. As if I'm stupid for standing here with a bass. Like some kind of a poser. Uh, hi, yes, uh, but I play bass, too. I want you to play cello in my orchestra, she says. She must have seen my initial application when I was still in high school, and how I'd signed up for the cello audition, but didn't show up to it because of what Jim had said to me about not being good enough. Play cello and bass? Sorry, I don't think I can handle doing two instruments. No, just cello. My stomach knots. I've worked so hard to be here on bass and to forget I had ever even played cello and how painful it was to give up. I haven't touched a cello in over a year and don't know if I ever want to again because of how it makes me feel. This bass audition was supposed to be my chance to start over. This is everything I have left in me, and this woman has come to tell me that it means nothing. That I'm being stupid somehow for giving up classical music, I guess. The guitar and bass teachers look at her. They seem afraid to say anything and seem to expect me to respond to her but I'm waiting for them to save me because I literally cannot talk. I can't hold the tears in any longer either. It all becomes a blur. Eventually, she leaves. I barely register what they say about my bass playing besides the word good, and I run into the hallway, bawling my eyes out, and see 20 guys staring at me. I'm so embarrassed to be crying as the only girl in the room. It's so shameful. This is my absolute worst nightmare. I can't deal with it. The shame makes me cry so much harder. I can hardly even breathe. They probably think I bombed the audition. Why the hell else would I be crying? Or that I'm just a dumb girl, so I must suck. What a horrible first impression. I sit down on some stairs and put my head on my knees. A boy drags his upright bass over to ask me what's the matter, and his guitar friend follows too, but I can't explain to them. I try to say they shouldn't worry about their own auditions, that the teachers aren't mean or anything. I try to explain what happened with the cello lady, but... I don't really know how to say it, and my bawling is so intense, I can't make real sentences. They don't seem to get it at all. Then, the bass teacher comes out of the room to hand me my car keys, which I had left on the music stand. I feel even more embarrassed to be seen by him. He says sorry, and that he doesn't really know what happened in there. I say, it's okay and try to act like I'm crying about something else. Uh, it's just some family thing I say. Why did I think I could be a real bass player? Why did I think I could be good enough? Well, I definitely never thought I'd be playing Bach again after ending my life as a cellist, and for sure never imagined playing Bach chorales with a rock band setup. But here I am in a classroom, plunking away at some John Sebastian on electric bass, along with two guitarists and a drummer. I smile to myself, thinking how lucky I am to actually be getting legit college credit for this very relaxing task, instead of banging my head against a chemistry book. I guess it's almost like being in a band again, although I'm not sure I'd choose these guys. One of the guitar players is standing up really straight, looking at the music very seriously. He's got a Megadeth shirt on and is playing some super metal-looking black guitar the other guitarist forgot his strap again, so he's hunching over his Telecaster in a chair. Oh no! His practice amp keeps sliding off of the desk. We decide to switch from practicing Bach to the boring jazz standard we have to learn. As I put the chart on my stand and the guitarists start playing the head, I think about how it sounds like nursing home music. I kind of prefer the Bach, even though everyone else grunts when we practice it. I'm fast at reading music, especially Baroque music in the bass clef from all those cello lessons. Sometimes, I don't even have to look at the page, because I know Old Man Bach well enough to predict the next few notes. But for the jazz pieces, I have to at least sorta pay attention, because the music is just chord names. I have to come up with what notes I want to play and the rhythm myself and not miss the changes, which I have some practice doing from rock bands, but it's different. Jazz is about showing how smart you are at music, and I need to get better at it. If I want to do that, I have to push myself to find interesting notes. There's almost infinite options. Which kind of overwhelms my brain. As we get to the A flat diminished 7, my fingers panic trying to think of the notes in the chord besides A flat that will transition to the next chord well, but I can't think fast enough and I end up playing totally bonk notes for the whole measure. I'm still trying to recover as two more changes go right by me so I give up and decide to just go back to playing quarter note roots with a fifth so I don't throw off the others. This, at least I can do basically with my eyes closed. I go into autopilot bass mode as the guitarists work on their solos. I start to space out and think about last summer, playing music with Dan and his friends. It was the closest thing I'd had to a band since the psychics ended. We did a pretty fun cover of Come On Eileen. I still kinda miss Dan. I had gotten back together with him after my indiscretions last winter because he was the one person who really knew me, unlike the people around me at school. And it was so hard to let that go. I never really told him about all of the bad stuff I did and that guilt made me cut it off for good eventually. I wanted to be a good girlfriend, but I wasn't. I'm never sure if I'm just a cheater, like maybe I got my dad's genes, or if it just wasn't the right relationship. Even when I dumped him for the second time, I immediately wasn't sure if it was the right decision, even though he agreed it was for the best. Anyway. The past couple months after enough times hanging out with my new guy friend from Craigslist, Dan eventually said, I'm sick of hearing about this Aaron guy, and I knew it was time to be done for real. I might end up cheating again, and I can't let myself be that knowingly sadistic. I wonder if I'm broken After spacing out a while, I realize I've been a measure behind throwing everyone off yet again, even just trying to play the root notes. I feel like jazz bass is always either too hard or so easy I can't pay attention and flub. Sorry, I say, and I turn my amp down to let the guitars drown me out in case I keep screwing up. When we've played for a while, we give up and all start messing around on random songs. The two guitar players start playing some goofy 90s grunge song that's like, i on, hungry, yeah! And when the second guitar player starts singing the high harmony, I lose it. He's weird, but sometimes really hilarious. Finally, It's time to go to my bass lesson. I sit down and crack open the Appleman bass exercise book on my music stand. Sorry, but we have to do it, Chuck says. Oh, yeah, I like this one. Did you like it? Yeah, sort of, I say. At least it's got a more interesting feel. He puts on a metronome snaps his fingers to give me the count in, and I play through the exercise. When I'm done, he says, Nailed it! I feel proud. I did practice this one a lot. I look down at Chuck's yellow socks. He sees me looking at them. They're kind of weird with his gray pants. Cool socks, I say. He says he couldn't decide between purple and yellow. Then he looks up at me and says, Hey, do you think astrology is real? Like, are you into it? I think about the book of birthdays my mom had, and how the description of people born on my birthday, November 18, seemed like a creepily accurate description of me, and how I liked learning that I share a birthday with a bunch of crazy but creative people. So I say, Yeah, Kind of, why? Well, I started seeing someone, and I really like her, and I looked up our compatibility, and she's a Pisces, so that means it's supposed to be good. I kept dating Geminis, and that never seemed to work out. Oh yeah, I guess I've dated a lot of Geminis too, I say. So you must be drawn to them. Uh Maybe. I think about how Aaron is a Gemini, just like Nick, just like Ricky. Here we go again. Dear Young Rocker, that cello lady is a total jerk for acting like you are somehow permanently conscripted to be a cellist for all time. I promise that I really doubt any of the kids in that audition group thought you sucked at your audition. They were probably just confused and uncomfortable by a girl crying, like most dudes. Crying in public isn't as unforgivable as you make it out to be, though. It just shows you have feelings, and that's better than not having feelings. Anyone who judges you for it is also a total jerk. You personally are a stress crier, and you were under incredible stress. This audition felt like the most important moment of your life. You wanted to finally undo the damage of your high school cello teacher and get some validation as a musician on your other chosen instrument, and may I say, your real true instrument. And in that breathless space of waiting for that after working your butt off for it, This lady swooped in like the Wicked Witch and recast the spell of musical insecurity over you. Just about anyone who's not a sociopath would have cried. And look, you really don't need to find someone on Craigslist to connect with you. You just need to be patient and give the people around you a chance. Slowly develop your friendships with the people in your classes people you meet in your dorm room and learn to trust them and you can find what you're looking for in human connection. There is no zero to 60 miles per hour deep friendship button and honestly you should be very weary when it gets too deep too fast but I get it you never had much of a secure base of family and friends when you were younger and you're still trying desperately to make up for that. The process of making friends wasn't modeled for you, and it feels impossible. You wanna just grab a blanket and wrap yourself in it to find the easy, quick way to feeling secure. And the internet and all the creepy people on it want you to believe that's where you can find the shortcut to human connection. I'm sorry, but you can't. You can only move forward slowly if you want real, lasting, healthy connections with people, but you just don't know how to do that yet. You'll be okay anyway, I promise. And you will certainly learn your lesson, but we'll get to that later. You are a music major, despite thinking you'd never be able to get to this point. And you are actually doing pretty darn well. Be proud. You didn't even take a minute to say that you were proud of yourself For passing the audition and getting in. And I know you never will. You'll just put more things in front of yourself that you think you need to do perfectly. In order to allow yourself to feel proud eventually. Whenever in the future, I guess. But I wish you could just enjoy the success. You worked hard for it. It's a new beginning for you. And I'm so glad that you feel at home again. Mostly, I just wish you could forget all these dudes and be more in the experience with the other people in your major. I know you're already feeling a little bit intimidated and frustrated, and we'll talk about that more next time. But once again, you are so good at base. You're good enough for this program and you were just good enough, period. If you really, really knew that, I can't imagine what you'd be doing. Maybe the world wouldn't even have been ready. Once again this week, I'm going to end this episode with a letter from another rocker. This time, I present you with Ella Williams, aka Squirrel Flower. She was born into a musical family and started writing songs early, but took her time finding the sound that felt like her. Here's Ella.
1: A lot of my childhood summers were... I wasn't really booked, like, I didn't go to camp, and sort of just um, hung around and, like, was bored and, like, lived in my imagination. And one summer, I sat in a chair in my parents' living room and put on headphones and plugged them into the radio and listened to the, like, R&B hip-hop radio literally nonstop for the entire summer. I was like, I need to write songs like this. Like, this is amazing. So I basically just copied the Black Eyed Peas and wrote a ton of songs, like, that were just directly copying Where's the Love. And I thought, it was so amazing and it was so fun to feel like i had done it and i knew that i had copied it but just like the i think like the physical action of writing down lyrics it was it was empowering for me like as a as a 9 year old and so i wrote like that for a while and then i think around age like 11 12 13 I started writing more on the piano and learning like Regina Spector songs and like Death Cab for Cutie songs and like also playing the songs from my choir that I was like the more poppy songs that I was learning from my choir playing them on piano and changing them a bit and learning them and then started writing more folky music on guitar when I was 14. Um, I just picked up acoustic guitar and taught myself, like, Bonnie Iver and Laura Marling songs and started writing songs that resembled those because I loved them and it was what I knew, really. I think I was actually a very stressed out kid in a lot of ways. Like, I remember performing and just being, like, so nervous and being like, these people hate me (laughs) and they're judging me and... Yeah, I don't know where that where that came from, but I also remember, like, wanting to impress the people around me and wanting to do well and, like, perform well and impress the adults around me and, and that sort of thing. I also just really wanted to make and share music, and a lot of my friends in middle school weren't really doing that. Like, they weren't musicians, they were more, I'm trying to think, like I feel like they played sports and that was like the main thing. So I I kind of felt on my own in my musical endeavors and like wanting to actually perform music and not just listen to like pop radio kind of thing. I had a lot of adults in my life that encouraged me and, and played with me and um, I was able to like find my community there, and also in my in my choir, because that was separate from my school, so having that was really wonderful. If I could write a letter to my younger self, I would probably tell myself to not worry about anybody else and what they think. I think part of me didn't really give a shit about what other people thought, because I was doing my own thing and like, honestly didn't have that many friends in middle school and kind of felt like ostracized from the people in my school a lot. So yeah, I would probably be like, fuck them. <laughs> like, just just do what you're doing and don't worry about impressing people and just worry about like doing what is bringing you joy and what is allowing you to feel whole and like a person and like a person with value because that's really what music did and still does for me. Yeah, I feel like that, you know, that anxiety about performing doesn't exist for me anymore. But the, I guess the the nervousness about wondering what other people think and how people are categorizing my music and how people are criticizing it and and listening to it and and what they think. Like, that definitely is, that exists still. And I don't think there's any musician that doesn't experience that. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's of course important to have self-critique. And in everything I do, I, I think I'm like, you know self-criticism is is something I strive for in like all parts of my life but I also yeah I, I think it's important to continue to tell myself to just do what I'm doing and make the music that feels um, true to me yeah
0: thank you Ella for that lovely letter Squirrel Flower has a brand new album called I Was Born Swimming that you should check out, and I'll put some songs from it on the playlist. Next time on Dear Young Rocker, the music major starts to get a little hard, and Chelsea starts getting closer to her internet friend. Dear Young Rocker was written and created by me, Chelsea Erson, is executive produced by Jake Brennan of Disgraceland, and comes to you from Double Elvis Productions. You can go to doubleelvis.com or follow Double Elvis on Instagram to learn more about our other podcasts. Jack Pombriant had a hand on this episode, mixing, scoring, sound designing, engineering, etc., along with the all-seeing ear of Sean Kahalen. As always, thank you again to everyone who sent me a message or who shared the show with someone they feel like might benefit from it. I keep receiving more and more messages from people who've been touched by the show, and you'll never know how much that means to me. So please keep the love coming and share it with each other. And I'll see you on Instagram at Dear Young Rocker and Twitter at RockerDeer. It's been a really awesome first season, thanks to you guys. Your response has been so amazing. It was scary to put this out into the world, and it's still scary every day. But what makes me feel like it's worth it is hearing your messages and seeing your reviews on podcast apps like Apple Podcasts. And that's also the thing that will guarantee that there'll be a Dear Young Rocker season two. So if you want to do what you can to make that happen, make sure you're subscribed on all the apps, and make sure to leave a review on your favorite one. There's a lot more to the story, and I want to share it with you. So, thank you in advance. Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis Productions.